Steve. Hi, Jamie. How are we? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. A bit of a hectic January so far, but we're nearly at the end of it. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, it's, they say it's uh, the longest month, don't they? But it's actually been, I don't know what it's been like in Ireland, but it's been pretty uh, pretty good over here. Nice weather, which, you know, makes all the all the difference. Yeah, no, we've had a good bit of weather. A lot um, less uh, normally crappy weather than we would expect this time of year. And again, with also good news coming out in terms of lockdowns ending and restrictions ending, I think, yeah, a lot of things have started to ramp up fairly quickly. Yeah, certainly better than this time last year, which was, <laughs> which was definitely no good. That's for sure. Very much so. And, and looking forward to it. As I said, a lot of people are excited about what uh, is coming down the track in 2022. So, yeah, no, all for it. Yeah, it's amazing how much it affects your mood, actually. I mean, I, I you know, I don't think I realise, but, you know, January is always a bit shit. But it's uh, this, this year feels so much better than last year. So, yeah, it, I think it is, isn't it? Like you say, a bit of optimism and things to look forward to. And perhaps like this time last year, we weren't even sure what the hell was going to happen again. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's nice to be back to a bit more of a normal for sure. Absolutely. And I spent most of the month actually working out my travel plans and my race plans. And, and, and it's, yeah, it, it's lots of nice things to look forward to. And it does definitely lift the mood. Yeah. I'm positive. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, here we are again, a month down the line um, after podcast number one. So if you've not listened to that, maybe go back and have a little listen about goal setting for, for the year. Um, you may well have already done it, but it's worth a listen, I think. Um, and today we're going to discuss the long bike ride um, at the weekend, which is a question I get asked a lot about, like how to fuel it, um, etc. And And obviously relevant too from a training perspective, especially with the, you know, more kind of virtual methods of riding them perhaps in the past um all that kind of stuff um so yeah um where should we begin steve do you think well uh, yeah no it's a question i get asked a lot about as well um in terms of uh, the why uh, how best to handle a long bike ride especially around this time of year um so i'll talk a little bit about that so because for the most of our northern hemisphere listeners we're in kind of the midst of winter so that's something we have to take into account and, and then the different options some do's and don'ts i think and so how about we, we approach it like a bit of a a bit of a long bike so if you do you want to i'm and do you want to tell us a little bit about how you would um prepare for a bike ride uh, you're going out over the weekend yeah yeah no worries so i mean i think like so today is actually a Friday as we record this, so it's maybe quite apt. Um, and I think most people will do their long ride at the weekend um, because obviously they've got more time. But so, so the issue or the question I get asked the most is, is essentially how do you how do you fuel that session? Um, and I think when people think about fueling any training session, they probably think about the meal before and during. Um, which is fair enough. And, and, and they probably in most cases, that is the most relevant thing to think about. But with the long ride, most people are getting up, not necessarily at the crack of dawn, but they're getting up early-ish. They need to get it, get it done. Um, so if that's the case, your breakfast is unlikely to kind of be sufficient to, to fuel that session. Um, so 
really you need to start thinking about fueling that session the day before. Um, so as with all things nutrition, that is more easily done if you know your numbers. So let's 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 have a little bit of an example, maybe. So if, for example, you know you need to consume two thousand five hundred calories um, a day to kind of maintain your weight and fuel your training. What you might want to do is on the day of the long ride, you want to eat, might want to eat a little bit more than that. So you might want to eat 2,800 calories, for example. Um, now, that, what that means is you might need to take a few calories off elsewhere in order to make sure you don't gain weight, for example, which most people are obviously conscious of. But you're also maybe going to need to eat a little bit more on the day before the longest or hardest session, um, which is this long ride. So, again, that means an increase on the day before. So what that consequently means is maybe a slight decrease, again, elsewhere. So it's all about balancing the books, um, the calorie books, basically. So what I would all suggest is that your last meal um, on the Friday, for example, if you're going to ride on the Saturday, would be a pretty big one. Um, and that would mean a really good mix of protein, carbs and fats. So if you were to think of what what would be a good example of that, it would be something like a spaghetti bolognese, for example. Um, but it's about approaching that in a measured way. So it is about knowing your calories. So you would maybe want to add in, I don't know, maybe roughly 10% extra calories so if you're normally on 2,500, you're then going to go up to 2,750, I think, <laughs> if my maths hasn't failed me. Um, and you would do that by essentially adding in a little bit extra carbohydrate. So in the case of the spaghetti bolognese, that would be probably a little bit extra pasta, quite simply. Or it might be maybe a little bit extra in the way of dessert, um, but it's the increase in carbohydrate that we need to be mindful of. Um, and why that's particularly useful the day before is that when we ingest more carbohydrate, we obviously get greater fluctuations in blood sugar. Now, if we're going to approach a training session, having just had a big fluctuation in blood sugar, that can lead to kind of, um, energy dips, obviously, but also, um, it, it, it can kind of make us hungry. Um, so having that last meal the night before, which has got a bigger increase on blood or bigger effects on blood sugars, it doesn't matter so much when you're just going to store that energy basically ready for the next day. If that all makes sense, I hope it does. It um, does. In terms of you're talking about carbohydrates, like how would then do you get people to measure out their food or like i for example i would be a fan of pasta on a on a friday night because i do my long long bike on a saturday um but i'm i wouldn't be like sitting there measuring out like how do I, how would i it's the easiest way of kind of making sure i'm getting the a right amount of calories in without making it a big head stress for me because it's friday night i want to kind of take things easy i want a glass of wine i want to yeah. chill out how how do you recommend or any hints and tips on how to get the right amount of calories? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I think that you don't you don't need to weigh everything. That's for sure. But personally, I think it is worth weighing things like rice, 
pasta, oats, um, any sort of grain, really. Mm. Um, so, you know, we've all been there. I definitely have, where you sort of pour a bit of pasta in the pan and you think, oh, I'm not sure that looks enough. So you put another couple of handfuls in. Um, and then you then you dish it all up and it's a massive plateful. But because you've cooked it, obviously, you're more likely to eat it. Um, so I think it is worth weighing those things out. And And to be honest with you, you know, we're not living in Victorian times where you're having to get like a scale and balance little weights on either end to kind of like guess yeah. how much you is. It's bloody easy. You know, I've got a set of scales that cost me a tenner, I think. Um, you, you know, a little pair of digital ones. You set, set a pan on top of it, you zero it, you put the pasta or rice or whatever it is in it and it and you just don't put too much in. So it's a way of regulating it. So I, I think... I get what, you know, I know what you're saying, like, you know, you don't want to get too kind of anal about it, essentially. But if it's important to you, and obviously it is, like you're training and, and, and racing in particular, then it's worth taking that extra 10 seconds of time. And that is literally all it is, just to make sure you've got enough. Yeah, um, if... uh, yeah no, I agree. And, and I must admit, as I said, it was some, something that I did when I started working with you. I invested in a decent kind of electronic scale. Um, and I initially, just to see... And because I, I, I know, as I said, handful of almonds, I'd throw them in and I'd, I'd just eat it. But I didn't, and I started measuring them out, what I was eating. I was eating way more than I should have at the start. But then it almost gets to the point where you, over time, you visually know, all right, that's roughly what I'm looking for. So it, it actually, the need to measure out things and weigh things becomes less and less as you get more. It, this becomes more habit. Uh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and like, you know, like for me, I sort of like play little games with myself like that because I'll, you know, I'll weigh, I'll weigh things like that. And I, I actually try and just sort of guess um, because there is times when you don't have scales. So I always do it with like Greek yogurt. I'm a big, I'm a massive fan of Greek yogurt. Um, and I'll usually eat it in like 100 or 200 gram like portions. Um, and, and I can very accurately just with like the size of, of the amount that's on the spoon as I dish it into the bowl you know, get it right. It might be five grams out, but I mean, that's not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, and I do the same from measuring things like rice. You can pretty much eyeball it, but that, that only can happen if you've measured it in the first place. Um, and, and perhaps not just once either. It needs to be something, I mean, I've been doing this for years. So, you know, I, I can relatively accurately eyeball it, but I'm also by nature greedy. So if I like if i if i eyeball it like subconsciously or consciously i don't know which one it is i would always get edge on the side of putting a little bit too much in basically um which you know that's all right if you need to gain weight or something like that but i think you know we all know that we don't want to put on useless weight um that's going to slow us down we might allow fluctuations here and there but we, we don't want it ever to get out of hand and eating too much rice pasta and oats and things like that is an easy way for it to happen so yeah uh, if you spend some time measuring all the little things you can do, like rice in particular, you can you could have like a cup, for example. If you were going to eat 100 grams of rice, you'd measure the 100 yeah. grams in a cup. You, you'd roughly get, you know, have a look on where that goes up to and and then you could do it that way. But I mean, that's no different to measuring it on the scale, in my view. So yeah. no, it's, it's all about it is all about making it easy. And like, as you said, I did have a uh, a set cup, which I knew from my oats and all the rest. Um, and again, it's it's. As I said, we're all time crunch. We're all a little bit of pressure. It's all these little things that you're a bit of prep work. Yeah, 
and make things easy in the morning as opposed to uh, get up, where's the scales? Can't find scales. I go, look, it's, I fill that cup up with oats and I, I put it in the microwave, la, la, la. Again, yeah. simple. No, absolutely. And I think, you, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, a, 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 like, as I've matured, you know, I'm 44 now and I was, like, you know, go back to like 20 years ago or whatever. And I was just always looking for the easiest way of doing everything. Um, and, like, as I've got older, I think what I've realised is actually sometimes, um, what is it? There's a quote, isn't it? It's I think it's something like, uh, the road of least resistance leads nowhere or something. Um, and I think that's right. You know, actually, you don't want to be kind of mindlessly making things difficult for yourself. But actually, sometimes the planning and the preparation and making things just a bit more conscious in how you go about things uh, leads to a better outcome. So, um, yeah, I guess it all comes down to, like, with most things in life, how much you want to achieve something, really. And Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that, 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 they're my views. I think, like, and, and I think sort of on that topic, you know, so you'll ask me all of the day before is really important, but also perhaps then on that day before, you would want to know what you're going to have for your breakfast, obviously, before you go out on that ride. Um, and again, that would want to be like a good mix of sort of protein, carbs and fats. So a good example would be something like a couple of scrambled eggs with some toast. Um, and you might have a little bowl of yogurt and berries on the side or something like that. Um, so it's not going to be the biggest meal. But what you're doing is you kind of it's a relatively um it's a meal which is not going to lead to huge fluctuations in blood sugar because you've got quite a bit of protein and fat, which will help regulate that, um, and fibre. Um, so you, you'd want to, I, personally, I would make that the night before, not the scrambled eggs, but and not the toast, but I'd have the, the I'd have things known in my head what I was going to do. I'd have maybe mm. measured a few things out, which would take me, you know, a minute. Um, I'd have that set, and then likewise before you go out on the on the ride it's worth knowing what you're going to eat when you get back um especially in this day and age i mean i i've not ever really used like delivery and uber eats and all that business but um i did use it for the first time like a few weeks ago and i was like oh my god this is like a stroke of genius you know you could easily kind of if you're not organized you come back and you're like oh i'll just order a you know i don't know six burgers and two pizzas <laughs> and, and you know what it's like when you come back off a, a really long training session you're starving and you just want to demolish a load of food so having a plan about what you're going to eat when you get back is a really wise move um having that food in the house um you could maybe even have made something in a slow cooker or uh, something like that or if you've not then you could have prepped a little bit of stuff um and, and perhaps if you can't be bothered doing all that the easiest thing to, to have done is to have maybe made something like a smoothie um which you can easily do you know a, a good example of that would be like you know half a pint of milk um a load of frozen berries and a banana um and you whiz that up you can maybe stick a bit of protein powder in as well so that's quite a um it's sweet which i think perhaps most people crave when they come back from those sorts of sessions uh, and it's made so you come in you ditch your stuff you drink it and all, and instantly you start to feel a little bit better and that's going to stop you from eating a packet of jaffa cakes or something yeah no agreed and to be honest actually about the long ride itself it is about all prep actually i know we've talked a bit about the fueling 
I get a lot of questions about this, about how to incorporate the ride. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, again, it's all about the prep. The night before, like, uh, most people, when you get to bed at the end of a Friday, you're exhausted. So the match, what you want to do is maximize the amount of sleep you can get it out of the that Friday night's sleep. So laying out everything the night before is a, is, is a really, really useful way of minimizing stress. Um, and this comes down to even um, having a look at the weather and making a decision whether it's an indoor and outdoor ride. If it's an outdoor ride, take that advantage, but have your route planned out um, uh, and uh, like some w- days, if it's too windy, you don't want to be going, um, was it too mountainous again? That could make a really difficult day. Um, arrange your plans, your training buddies, um, have the right equipment all that sort of set out in terms of if it is going to be a chilly day but not icy make sure you've, you've got all your layers arranged again you don't want to be that guy who's getting up you're meant to be meeting everyone for an eight o'clock spin and then you're sort of going you're running around the house like a lunatic trying to find i can't find my overshoes minimize that stress have it all sorted out uh, lay down in the out in the morning i almost literally create a uh, imaginary man where i have my equipment my socks my overshoes my my, my bicycle shoes my lungs etc all laid out and I go okay i have everything there and i do that the night before um again i'll talk a little bit about later on about if the weather is crap and you have to go indoors and you have a turbo or a smart trainer there's a way of making sure you do the right amount of time on a turbo or a, a yahoo kicker um, or a wop bike that doesn't drive you mad but yeah so for me as well as much as when you start your pre-meal planning and you sort of go okay I need, I've, i'm doing four hours on the bike tomorrow Um, i've got my sort of my macros and my numbers in my head this is how much extra i'm going to eat and this is going to eat same time start laying out your kits know your route contact your guys what's the meeting point Um, what uh, is everyone on the same plan Um. Uh, like don't bring meet up with guys who are gonna are looking for to do a 40k coffee spin if you've got a 100k long bike if you're in that phase of an ironman training plan for example um so the prep for me as well not only for the food happens for the ride the night before any thoughts on that jamie or how do you prep or do you meet people for spins or what's your yeah i mean to be honest most of my training i do on my own um because of how I kind of structure my my day. Um, so, and I quite like doing it on my own. So I think definitely prepping. I mean, again, for me, I would do most sessions indoors. Um, I've kind of gone off the, and we can talk about this again in a moment, but like I've sort of gone off the kind of outdoor riding thing. And I think that's partly, without sounding morbid, know a few people who've had some, bad accidents and what have you and um and one of my best mates actually got killed on his bike so i think that kind of perhaps starts to play tricks with your head um a little bit but so yeah i mean i i do most stuff indoors and so i, I know what i'm doing i know what time i'm doing it i have it planned i'm very much I, mean, I remember years ago talking to a guy um who we used to do some training with and he was like you know the, the night before you sit down you prepare your mind you know what session you're going to do um and like i think that's the most important bit it's like almost the last thought before you go to bed is knowing what training you're doing and like you've just said having everything ready for that 
So you get up in the morning, you don't have to give it any thought mm. because you've done that last bit of thinking the night before, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. And by the way, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your friend. I, di- I didn't know that, but... Uh... No, no, it's, it's, it was a few good few years ago now, but yeah, obviously very sad, but... and. and... Yeah, it, I think it does kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, sadly, but that's, that's no. part of life, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's definitely that something has happened. And again, like that's again also when you're going out and ride this. The, the, uh, what I do if I'm meeting people for the first time, um, and they might just because you're meeting with a club spin, everyone sort of talks through the kind of the club, the, the rules that you're going to uh, conduct that cycle by in terms of look. This is the hand signals we have. This is um, how we're going to communicate if we need to go single file. This is if anyone gets a puncher, we all stop. We wait till that's um, the the wheels. Everyone's that puncher is repaired and everyone goes on. We don't. It's a no drop spin. Or if it's a case of if it is, if you have to drop, what's the rules on that? So it's important if you are meeting people on outdoor spin to kind of go through those group rules. Because um, and and also you don't want to be the person causing uh, stress to someone else on, on a, um, a long bike. So, and again, and, and some of those rules are around safety about um, making sure everyone's comfortable with the route. Everyone's comfortable uh, where the, what happens if there's an accident, you have kind of a first aider, et cetera, or, and everyone's charged phones. Just there's, there's, there's a lot of things we can't do to protect ourselves because you're on in the outdoor and there's um there's a lots of variables and there's a lot of people who may not drive or cycle as safe as ourselves. Um, but there are other things that we can do to protect us. And again, like we have rules in our club. No one's, a, if anyone turns up without a helmet, they're just sent straight home. Um, again, if someone is a novice and they haven't cycled in a group, we actually send them off to our um, kind of cycle newbie course where they sort of go, look, this is how you, you turn and all the rest. Cause you don't want, to be the person who caused an accident in a group ride because you you didn't know what the hand signals meant and you kind of turped out um so that there's there's that element as well to take into account um but for me i am a fan of more outdoor cycling than indoor cycling and having said that i have splashed out on a, a yahoo kicker of late but there is there is merit in doing long long spins outdoors when we can yeah, I mean, I think, I, I mean, one of those things has got to be things like handling, doesn't it? You know, I mean, mm. you, you sort of, you get stuck on a turbo and, uh, it, you know, you're going through, well, there's lots of, I mean, there's benefits to it, obviously, from a physiological point of view, you, you can kind of keep things more consistent. You're not having to stop at traffic lights and stuff like that. Um, so your heart rate and, and the physiological benefit, I think, sometimes could seem better, but then it's not necessarily applicable to when you, ride i mean you might be in the same position and all that sort of stuff but you're not you're not kind of yeah you're not going around bends in the same way and and, and that kind of stuff you know yeah and oh, no, absolutely and it look from what in terms of now possibly we'll talk a little bit about the the in outdoor versus indoor option um we as i said at the moment we're having a mild enough winter as you as, as you said jamie which is great which means there's is more outdoor options but there are days when it's just too dodgy to go out. Yeah. And for me, my rule of thumb, if there's kind of ice or frost on the windscreen of the car and when I open the door and go out, even if I'd planned to do an outdoor ride, I'm not taking a risk. It could be black ice and all the rest. And nothing yeah. to end the season quicker than coming off a bike and ice. Um, and actually shout out to John Clark, one of our club mates who actually came off his bike in that scenario and, and broke his hip. But he's wishing him a speedy recovery. And... Um, 
so and a lot of people have indoor trainers and there's apps like Zwift, Trainer Road, um, that give us the option um to cycle indoors. So if there's no reason why we should be taking weather risks uh, yeah. when we don't need to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, it's bloody cold as well in it sometimes. <laughs> I mean, some of us like have suffered with that more than others, but like, you know, you can put everything on that you've got and be kitted out and everything. But Christ, sometimes it's just unpleasant, you know. No, 100%. As I said, and like I, as I said, I, I don't give out hero hero cards for my guys who go, look, I went out and was icy and said, no, that was a bit risky. And look, the, at certain stages in plans and all else, you can get away doing a two-hour turbo as opposed to a four-hour outdoor bike the way you want to approach it. And you'll still, as you said, Jamie, you get a large physiological impact as in terms of you're not stopping at lights, you're not sitting there shivering, you're not potentially catching flu. Like there's bigger benefits of actually just taking the sensible option to go indoors. Um, and it's only each athlete will know their comfort levels. And But when the snow and ice involved, lads, it's not worth the risk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking, actually, you know, it's quite an interesting thing as well, like the sort of, the sort of in-session uh, or in-ride fueling element and the difference between going out and being in um in the one of the things that people will often say to me is kind of you know oh, what what can i take with me on the on the ride to eat and stuff and, and obviously the obvious things are like energy drinks and gels and, and bars and stuff like that um but i mean i and i'm not i think maybe a lot of people think i'm against gels and stuff now but i'm not against them i think it's just a matter of using them at the right time uh, and sometimes perhaps they've been used too much but um, that's not our fault. We've just been heavily marketed to and, and believe the hype, but they definitely have their place. Um, but when you're inside, it's it's kind of the carrying of the food is less of an issue. Mm. Um, now, obviously, you ride it inside to make it applicable to outside, but it gives you a chance to maybe try a few things. Like so, so I, I'm quite a fan of things like nuts, um, partly because they are, you know, I work with people all over the world. So these people who I'm working with now, we were in like. Uh, Qatar for example so it's pretty hot there all year round so you, you know they can't just take a Snickers with them um, <laughs> you know, it's going to end up liquid Snickers so you've got to think about other options so nuts are good for a variety of reasons they're nutrient dense they've got quite a lot of calories in them there's a good mixture of protein, carbs and fats um, and they don't melt basically so, um, but sometimes people struggle eating them at first because you've got to chew them a little bit um so it's a good it sounds almost like a bit daft but it's a good chance when you're kind of on the turbo and perhaps you can take your hands off more easily and kind of practice a few things like that you, you can actually get comfortable with that sort of food and then put it into practice when you're outside yeah no absolutely and i'd be a big advocate of training um and and on even either on the outdoor bike or on an indoor bike kind of getting into like race day habits where you sort of okay what's your going to eating strategy um how often are you going to eat what are you going to eat and for me it's a, a case of trial and error about what you will try like for example um i think it was based on your feedback there i tried in the last ironman in mallorca i moved away from i previously used neutral bars because i found them easy to chew and easy to digest and also easy to break up and store on the bike yeah and um, i moved to dates which 
I am I found very easy in terms of to put into the the bike storage box and so and also very easy to pick uh, pick and go as you're cycling along either even in the aero position or um if you're up on the bars and again these are things you need to and I, I found again which is key for me that I didn't have any bad reaction in terms of my stomach when I was if I did a couple of six hour bike rides and I just used dates and some just uh was it a, a high five energy drink and I found listen I can live with that all day long so that's that's my proof from my iron man yeah um, but you need to try that and um, what is any weird or wonderful stuff that you hear your athletes using as fueling examples oh god honestly I mean I think I've heard about all sorts of nonsense I mean for me like drive through is another great one like you've just said and, and dates are great i think i mean you probably i reckon i've probably read them on forums and like people are eating like pork pies and stuff mm-hmm. like that and it, like i guess the only benefit of pork pie is that it's very calorific um but if you've got an eye on performance you know you don't want i mean a pork pie is essentially like a large amount of fat um because it's low quality meat you know <laughs> so it's heavily processed meat mixed up with a load of pastry and all that crap and so there's an awful lot of fat in there and and fat like obviously there's this thing about fat fueling fat you know fat is good but not that sort of fat what you want is slightly more like high quality fat so that's why things like nuts are good so yeah i think they're the, the, the daftest things i mean you you see I think people as well will maybe sometimes see it as an opportunity to eat shit, basically, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you. It's like, oh, I'm doing an Ironman, I'm out on the bike, you know, whatever. Like, I can just eat what I want. Well, you can't really. And you certainly, you know, whilst, whilst we shouldn't perhaps be comparing ourselves to the elites in lots of ways, it's rare that you see them, you know, cycling along eating a bloody Melton Mowbray pork pie. So, you know, I think like there is, uh, you might see them eating gels all the time to be fair, but it's, uh, I think, I think there's, yeah, I, I think keep it simple, practice things like you've just said for obvious reasons. I think having an element of protein, carbs and fats in your fueling is, is, is worth doing uh, and maybe a little bit of fiber, and, and the reason for that mainly is it just kind of like regulates the blood sugars. Um, perhaps other people have read things sometimes where you shouldn't eat much fiber um, because you don't want it hanging around in your gut. Well, that's sort of true, but a little bit of fiber, you know, from eating some dried fruits and nuts is not going to cause you any major issues in my view. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it also, that comes back to the, um, as you said, the practice point, the, for me, Another downside of actually getting overly using too many indoor bikes, you need to actually learn how the bike moves when you reach down to pick up food, when it reaches down and pick that, yeah. that key skills about getting your bottle out of the cage, drinking it and putting it back in. And um, so, yes, while the indoor option does allow you to, to change things, you also need to be able to do those skills um, and, you wobble the first time you do it, as you know. You and, and yeah. so you need to learn how to do that on a bit of a road surface, and having that built in, it gives you the confidence. Because if you have any fear about reaching down to grab your bottle, reaching down to grab your food, you will forget to eat, um, and then it'll, it'll be get to the point where you'll know when it's too late. You're and kind of you start to bonk, and you go like, 
And when your energy levels have dropped that low on kind of a long rate, uh, like a 70.3 or a full Ironman, you're in trouble already. Like, Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's too late, really, to bring it back. Um, I, I, you're spot on. Like, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's kind of, I, I think, like I think I said before about like, the handling skills and stuff like that. I mean, it, it definitely is. You Getting the bottle out and drinking can be, you know, awkward. And the same with like if you've got things in your back pocket as you as you're cycling along and you're going to reach around and get it, you've got to get comfortable with that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it, that yeah, so I guess they're the benefits of, of being outside. And it it just brought brought me back to a, a triathlon I did years ago. I did a sprint. Um, this must be like nearly twenty years ago, and um, I was quite fit to be fair. And I was it was it was in Saddleworth in like Yorkshire, so it was really hilly, and I was going up the hills like pretty well, and. Um, but I'd never really ridden on uh, on hills that big, so going up the hills was easy. Obviously, physically physically hard, but like easier for me. And then you come to going downhill, and I was absolutely shit. Like I was just I'd passed all these people going up the hill, and then they all passed me going down the hill because I, I was like terrified, and they were uh, yeah much more confident in the descending. Um, I know it is, and then descending is a skill. Again, it's also just a bit of practice. And um, in terms of frequency and um was it how often and how, how you spread the calorie intake over a long bike what's your recommendation to people on that jamie yeah i mean i think like so i i generally would say the most important thing is definitely the night before and then the last meal of or the last meal before so you get those right and then you can go quite a long time because obviously you're out there for a long time the intensity is you know relatively low all that said i would say you want to be consuming food at least every hour um, to sort of top up. So you're never going to be able to, you're never going to be on full energy supplies, but nor should you be. Um, part of the part of the uh, idea behind the ride is to get, kind of like deplete your, your stores and kind of get comfortable with that, I guess. So you, but you want to stay on top of it. So I would say every hour. And again, so for me, a good strategy would be to, weigh things out like so nuts and dried fruit in particular so you could you can pack a little bag and you could say right i'm gonna i'm out for four hours or whatever i'm gonna eat 20 grams of nuts and 20 grams of dried fruit every hour as such you weigh out 40 times three or whatever that is so yeah 120 grams so you're gonna eat on the hour on the two hours and on the three hours um and you know how many calories are in that so then you can track that and record it and you can see how it works for you and if you felt like you didn't need that much, then next time you could have a little bit less. Or if you felt like you needed a bit more, then next time you could have a little bit more. But you'll only know whether it's right if you've measured it, basically. Um, so, yeah, I think every hour eating something, um, as intensity goes up, you might want to do it more frequently than that. Um, like sort of every sort of 30 to 40 minutes. Um, but if you've got, if you're having a mixture of, say, some real food and energy drink then you have to remember that the energy drink is is also fuel obviously um so if you were to you know be sipping on that and then eating every every hour that i i think it's to be something that's to be practiced and it is individual to be fair but yeah as a, as a general recommendation i would say that's a good place to start yeah no agreed and i think in terms of i and again it's probably another topic we can pick up in terms of actually race day fueling um i find that you need a bit more frequency um but also just um you're <laughs> you also need to make sure you take into account the 
race day atmosphere. I like a lot of athletes, first timers that will work out their race strategy, worked out the how often they should take on board. If it's based on the distance or um, covered or a time covered, is it whatever every 10 K in the bike or is it every kind of like half an hour to 40 minutes? Um, but what happens is on race day, they get too excited and there's people cr- uh, cheering them along the streets and the, and the, you know, the, there's a couple of guy, American guys going past them and they're trying to chase them down and they get too, so excited they actually forget to eat and they yeah. get to that point where it's too late. So there's things that you I get them and again, we'll probably talk about this, probably a race day pod, uh, podcast be useful, that um, you, you need to kind of set your alarm on the, your garment that goes off every yeah day or every 40 minutes and, and you, to just to keep you on track and if you've practiced it during the long bikes we're talking about now it becomes second nature yeah absolutely and that's more important for some people than others you know like some of like me i'm constantly thinking about food so <laughs> it would always be kind of on my mind but yeah you're absolutely spot on i mean i speak to so many people who say that that they've that they forget to eat and, and like we said earlier you know you if you admit if you if you get behind you can't catch back up um you know if you're not eating for three hours and all of a sudden you're in a hole there's no way out you know um sadly um don't matter how many gels you have and that's what people often do they get behind then they they neck too many gels or you know drink and then all of a sudden there's all sorts of other problems and you you need to go to the toilet and you've got cramps and yeah Yeah. game over you know absolutely um yeah no you, you, you can't as i said it's more about keeping it topped up rather than cramming or that those big highs and lows. Yeah. Um, that's just GI distress straight waiting to happen. Um, just I'm going to pull back to one of the points as well that we're talking about um, in terms of the indoor versus outdoor bikes. I know we touched on it slightly and it, we you, you mentioned there some pros that, you know, you can, it's all, it's no, it's no dead time in it. You're not stopping at lights. You kind of keep consistent effort. You're not trying to, there's no danger of punctures, et cetera. And also you can try out different foods. I do want to flag to people and it's something I've seen with some people on my plans and train uh, on who follow me on Instagram that there's almost a, a fear of people get uh, too addicted to the likes of Zwift and they get addicted to the likes of, of uh, Trainer Road and it's to their detriment. They're, they get, it's very easy to hop on the trainer um, and it's very easy um, to kind of as I said, chase Tron wheels or the next level. But I found people who have spent too much time indoor um, training for the long bikes and all the rest do, as you said, you mentioned earlier, Jamie, about the, they, they're missing out on the handling skills and they, they get disappointed when suddenly they go outdoors and they can't hold 28K an hour on average, where in Zwift, in Watopia, they could. <laughs> which it, there's this madness that it, I, I think... T- it, it mismanages their expectations and set them up. I find a mix of indoor and outdoor training um, to be really, really key. Um, as I said, the indoor, when you absolutely have to, um, and as in like the weather is dangerous that we mentioned about and all the rest, and or if you just don't have the option or the time to do the full outdoor ride, stick indoor. But if you can, and especially around the build phase of your training where you trying to look for race day numbers you're trying to get used to being on the aero bars you're getting used to dialing in your race day nutrition you got to have those outdoor bikes or else you're just not setting yourself up for success at all yeah i i i, I think i mean the thing we have to remember is you don't race indoors 
Mm. Um, you know, what well, there might be races indoors, but essentially you're not training to do a race indoors. So it's that subtlety, isn't it, um, of the being outdoor, whether it's the handling, the the kind of, you know, sort of the feel of the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only really replicate that by doing it. And um, perhaps the more experienced you become, perhaps you could get away with less um, outdoor stuff because confidence is, is higher. Um, I think that's probably the case with, with me. But, um, yeah, when you're newer to it, you've got to get comfortable. And another thing I was just thinking then as you were saying that is, like, you, you know, so, so from a sort of physical perspective, obviously, like, especially when you're down on the aero bars, you kind of, you know, it, it can be an uncomfortable position. Um, so, you know, you can start to get tightness in the back and the hips and that sort of stuff. Um, do you think there's merit in kind of the indoor session there because, like, you could get off and have a stretch or anything like that? Yeah, and to be honest, I actually use, um, I advocate for my one-to-one guys and when people ask me, I think that it it's, you when you're getting used to aero bars, get your tri-bike or your race bike set up on the turbo or the smart trainer and then use that in a controlled environment to be in, on the aero bars for a bit and come up. I wouldn't get off and stretch, but I would, uh, like I advocate, look, warm up on the, the hoods of the, the the handlebars for like 10 minutes then go into the aero position for a couple of minutes and then come up stretch out and then go back and increase the the frequency of the time on the aero bars and minimize the rest between it to the point where you're on the aero bars for whatever like 30 minutes solid and it over time that helps you stretch out the back my muscles release the hip flexors a little bit um but yeah, and you don't need to be worrying about. I'm on the air bars, a little bit nervous. What if I hit a little rock and I go and I lose control? So that is actually another really good benefit. Yeah, I mean the the, the air bars. I remember the first time I had a go on them. I mean it's bloody on the road. I mean I I think actually I'm trying to think back. I think I'd borrowed somebody's uh, TT bike and never been on one before. And I got on it, it was like, Jesus, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, so maybe for me, what I should have done there is actually uh, had to go on the this uh, on the turbo. But this is going back probably like 12 years or something. I'm not, you know, people, it was probably less common for people to be doing indoor stuff then, I think. Um, certainly no Zwift or anything. Um, but, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's. it's uh, it's, it's also less common for people to lend their uh, lend their their wobbly mates their TT bikes their possessions. Are you sure you borrowed it or stole it? James? Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, 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 absolutely. And again, it, it, these are all. Hi, Steve. Hello again. Hello. I'm not sure what happened there, but th- this is the uh, the miracle of the modern age, isn't it? One minute you're talking like to somebody you know called a hundred miles away, and uh, all of a sudden they're gone. And who knows where they've gone? But anyway, we're back. We got cut off. Technical technical failure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure where we were. But I think one thing maybe I could just discuss a little bit more is kind of that that kind of post-training window and what you should eat and all that sort of stuff. And perhaps one of the things that a lot of people worry about is how quickly you should get food in. You know, and is it important to get that that food in? Especially is it important to get that highly marketed, shiny packeted supplement in that's going to turn you into bloody Johnny Brownlee or whatever. So um, the the, the simple answer to that is that I would say it's good to get something in within an hour. And that's why that smoothie is a good option. Um, And you would have that within an hour. And then really you'd want to have a, a bigger meal 
following that, the timing is is way less important than perhaps it's been stated to be. Um, it will help with recovery, um, but as long as you're getting your caloric needs met for that day, then really you should be okay. So you, you're unlikely to come in from a four-hour ride um, and then have a, have a smoothie and not eat anything for six hours. That's unlikely to happen. So the practicalities of it are that you will come in, have that smoothie, and then probably within the next hour or two, you'll have a, a bigger meal. And, and again, just like the meals that you've had before, what that should really be is, is a good balance of protein, carbs, and fats, um, perhaps with a slight um, uh, priority given to the carbohydrate over the fats. So you maybe have slightly more carbs again, um, and that, that's just going to help with recovery more than the fat will, basically. And then the protein, again, is going to help with the recovery. Um, and the, the big thing about protein is that, especially when we're doing endurance sport, what we don't want is kind of muscle wastage. Um, and the protein helps prevent that from happening, basically. Um, so a good example of what to eat post-training would be, I guess, again, you could even argue it's like the spaghetti bolognese. So one a wise person would make double the amount of spaghetti bolognese the night before um, and then just have the rest of it the day after, basically. Yeah, now it comes back down to our kind of time management things. As I said, I'm a big fan of batch cooking now at this stage. Um, so, yeah, the idea of, idea of coming off a long four-hour bike and coming in and trying to pull them together uh, ingredients, nightmare. But as you yeah. said, something quick, something simple, um, or even just... and. Hot food is also, if it's been a cold bike ride, as in there's nothing nicer than getting to have a little bit of a stretch. And again, by the way, I'm also a big fan of bricks, even off long bikes, even if it's just for 1K, just to get that muscle memory. You build that up over the plan. Once you get the 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 brick done and the, 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 the some, sort of, some sort of stretching down, um, a warm shower, get the blood flow going again, and then sitting down. And as you said, within that kind of hour window, you get some food into you, it'll not only um, consolidate the gains from that session, it'll spill over to the next day where you're still, you're, you've bumped up your glycogen levels. You're not going to be just sort of struggling and chasing your tail a little. So yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree that with getting the food ready beforehand and getting it and just minimizing the hassle. Cause at that stage you're tired, you're cranky and you're <laughs> just get the food into you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sim- yeah exactly that. And, and really like whether it's long ride day or any day, one simple tip to, to sort of, Get you or improve your nutrition is literally. I mean, I do this every day. Like me and my my wife, like we just cook double for dinner and then have the same for lunch. You know, and there might be mm. slight differences. Like today, for example, we had some like chicken goujons. So last night we had chicken goujons, which I had with like a load of veg and baked potato. But for lunch today, I had chicken goujons with a bit of salad and rice. So you know, essentially the goujon is the <laughs> is the main body of the meal, but you just slightly adapt the accompaniments to suit your time or whatever uh, on that day so yeah it's it definitely a big big help yeah um, no, def- definitely as i said and the again it's and also you win brownie points of you rather than everyone involved as in so look i'll take care of the batch cooking for the next couple of days and then it feels like the other person's being fed and then it feels like you're being fed all about what was it uh keeping it all nice and happy absolutely teamwork the one so, um Anything else you want to say, Steve, about the kind of um, the, the the long ride? 
well, just one question that I get fielded a lot, and uh, I'll just hopefully do it a little bit of justice. The people would go like they'll go in their plan and they'll see I've got a hundred k bike ride, but it's actually icy and snowy, and and the clever coaches Stephen and Jamie told me I shouldn't go out in that those um conditions. How do I t- convert that into an indoor ride? And I have a simple rule of thumb on this. I don't expect you to sit and do 100K in Zwift and Watopia because that will drive you absolutely mental and give you some amount of saddle stores. So I try to get people to do a, a use kind of a rule of thumb on this. And a simple rule of thumb is if the plan says 100K and you on average would cover that outdoors in 25K an hour, so four hours to cover that, I would expect you to do 70% of that on an indoor bike. So... In that example, um, you have 100K to do in the bike, but it's too icy. Again, that, that would have taken you four hours outdoors. You hit that by 70%, and then you're looking at two and a half hours, three hours maximum on the turbo, on the smart trainer. And that will get you the same sort of aerobic impact um, will keep your, your, your you from going insane, and you'll be in a much better place after it. So that's just a little bit of a rule of thumb, which I'll write in the back of my plans to how to convert a outdoor session into an indoor session. With and that, that is an absolute piece of gold there, Steve, if you ask me. I mean, that is really useful information um, because that is, yeah, nobody wants to sit on the turbo for four hours, although you do see various people on Instagram and the likes obviously bragging with their big sweat pools and puddles yeah. <laughs> underneath the bike how they've been on there for eight hours. But, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that, that really useful information. Yeah, and again, it just comes down to it comes down to the point you raised. and said you get more aerobic benefit. You, the, there's no breakages in it, so therefore you don't have to do. It, it, was it 100% outdoors as you would indoors? So that's that's where the 70% rule comes in, and there is an element of it's the time on an indoor training can go a lot slower, even with these apps. If you're not outdoor, you know yourself when you're cycling with a friend or whatever at a group. Suddenly you look down and two hours is gone. You haven't even noticed because you've been talking about whatever. But if you're sitting there staring at a screen or you don't even have a smart train, you're staring at the walls. My God, time can move slowly. So be nice to yourself. Don't kill yourself. And again, no hero medals for seven seven hours in a turbo. All you're doing there is really hurting your backside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, great, great, great advice. That really good advice. Um so yeah, I think I think we we've probably I think we've covered most things there, haven't we? People might be getting bored, so we want to. <laughs> we might wrap it up there. I reckon. No, I think yeah. The, the, actually, that topic did grow arms and legs, didn't it? I, am, I know I was, I was an issue, but, but the long bike, as I said, and long runs as well. They're they're such a core part of the plan. So I think we've done a lot of justice, mate. Um, hopefully we can merge these two files together or have an addendum. Um, but I'm gonna leave that to you uh, with the technical wizardry. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, me. that's me yeah so probably not gonna happen but anyway i'll do i'll do what i can and great to talk to you and um we'll be back in a few weeks with another with another podcast uh, the, the topic to be decided so if you've got any topics actually that you'd like us to um talk about then maybe get in touch um i i'm uh known as the triathlon nutrition coach on instagram facebook so you can just hit me a message up there and steve what are you you're the what is it sm endurance solutions yeah, SM underscore endurance underscore solutions. Um, so that's where you find me. And again, yeah, hit us up with some ideas. We love, myself and Jamie love to talk about this stuff anyhow. Um, we'll let you into the, and we can pick the most popular topic and have a crack at that. But um, yeah. all good. All right, yeah. Well, yeah, great. So we'll look forward to your questions and we'll see you in a few weeks. Jamie, a pleasure as always. Have Thank a great you. weekend. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>